Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, three human beings get together to discuss the pop culture they're looking forward to in 2016. Will any of them mention Smurfs 3? Let's find out. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop with Aaron and Danae, streaming live on Mixler every Friday at noon central or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron patrons get those perks every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies television and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds my name is aaron Denae's here as well hello and today our pop culture guru is steve baxi welcome to the show steve thanks aaron for having me it's my pleasure man i i really came awareness of you through our friend uh, captain logan the geekvolution youtube channel and then recently uh, I've been thinking about you know asking if you wanted to be on because I love your opinions and thoughts on pop culture. And then recently you did, I don't know, it must have been like a seven-hour breakdown of Age of Ultron. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a two-hour analysis, a two-hour commentary, and then a 30-minute reflection video. It was insane and so brilliant. And I was like, okay, we got to get him on like immediately uh, to have him kind of chat with us. So um, glad to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit just kind of about who you are and what you do. Right now, I'm a graduate student at um, a university. I'm getting a degree in uh, master's in ethics and philosophy. Uh, and I am an immense film and comic book guy, mostly comic books. But over the years, I've been more and more into film, into specific actors and specific directors and such. Um, not a whole lot to say other than that. Uh, I've got this affinity for wanting to inject philosophy into anything I, I consume in a pop culture way. So <laughs> if I watch Age of Ultron, I'm watching it as this guy really knows how to talk about Nietzsche. Or if I'm reading Batman, I'm saying, uh, well, Batman's a really, really good Kantian or bad, depending on how you want to look at that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Danae, do you want to talk about, you know, what it means to be a good or bad Kantian? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Well, a Kantian, Kantian comes from the word continent. Uh-huh. So right. what, <laughs> what it means is it's a division of a larger part. Right. So to be a good, smaller part of a larger thing. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what it means. Uh, I'm guessing you were talking about uh, Immanuel Kant. Am I right? Yes. There yes. we go. <laughs> I also, that? I also uh, unfortunately for Danae, uh, have a, a major in philosophy. So it is also part of the way I, I apply my looks to... Maybe that's what stood out to me so much, because I love looking at movies and television through those lenses of some of the famous philosophers. Suddenly I feel like this may be a really interesting podcast <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm swimming with the big boys today. The good news is uh, we like to keep it simple here, and we're just going to talk... For what? What? For the dumb ones here? No, no, I wouldn't say that at all. <laughs> I no, I said simple, not dumb. Just because I don't know anything about Nishi and all this stuff doesn't mean that I can't <laughs> philosophize with you guys. That's true. You can philosophize <laughs> with the best of them. And eat falafels. That as well. Uh, no, I'm I'm excited uh, to talk about anything intellectual and brilliant that you want to, Danae. I just meant that we like to... Um, we like to talk in a way that is simple about pop culture. In other words, that is accessible, those kind of things. Mm. And so we're talking about what we're looking forward to mm -hmm. this coming year. We're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars as well. You really felt like I was insulting you. I wasn't trying to insult hey, you or I, anybody for I'm that matter. I'm not the only non-philosophy major listening. It's not just me you've offended. It is everyone. Knowledge is... I'm just kidding. Knowledge isn't something that makes anybody more valuable than I'm anybody else. Kidding. It's just knowledge. That's all. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, let's start with the uh, a look at the Oscars. Nominations came out recently, and some surprises as always, some non-surprises as always, but just some general thoughts. And Steve, since you're our guest, 
we'll let you go first. What, what struck you about this year's nominations for the best of movies this year? Um, I thought it was surprisingly predictable. Uh, usually when uh, stuff like this comes out, there's one or two areas where I'm like, well, of course um, – I love this, but there's no way the Academy will, and then they turn out to love it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people got that from Mad Max Fury Road, but just considering the the powerhouse that movie's been and how everyone's loved it in every single review I've ever seen, that I wasn't surprised that it ended up in Best Picture. Um, I won't be surprised if it doesn't win. Uh, but there was nothing on here that, that really intrigued me or, or, or made it look like the Oscars were evolving in any way. It just it looked fairly standard. Um, the Force Awakens got a few more nominations than I thought it might, and I'm I'm sad to see Michael B. Jordan didn't get uh, Best Actor for Creed. Um, but aside from that, it seems like um, a, a fairly standard list. Um, Quentin Tarantino didn't get anything, uh, which might be a little bit surprising for some, but I know a lot of people didn't like The Hateful Eight as much as I did. Uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised not to see the Hateful Eight on there. Um, it, it, for me, it was it was a Quentin Tarantino movie, not necessarily a great movie. It was just a Quentin Tarantino movie, uh, and and maybe he's suffering a little bit from the fact that a lot of his movies feel the same, especially to non Quentin Tarantino fans. Um, and I wonder if that's part of it. But I'd agree with most of what you said, especially the, about uh, Michael B. Jordan from Creed not getting a nomination. I thought that was disappointing. I will push back a little bit in that I did have a couple surprises that really did surprise me. Uh, one, I I uh, literally think I said, what? When they finished the nominations and Aaron Sorkin wasn't nominated for his screenplay for Steve Jobs. That blew my mind. I could not believe that that script didn't get nominated as much as people usually love Sorkin and as good as I thought that movie was written. No, that's true. I mean, I, I love Steve Jobs as well. I thought it was a really good movie. But I also think um, Aaron Sorkin's also not the best poster boy for anything. Marketing-wise, he's, he's not exactly the most approachable person. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Academy wanted to play it safe and not throw Sorkin into the news. The other one that surprised me was uh, Peanuts movie not getting nominated for Best Animated Film. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that was definitely a little bit surprising considering that we haven't exactly had the best year for animated films. Yeah. And I mean, there were three animated movies in there that I think the majority of the public haven't even seen. Uh, yeah. And I, in, in fact, I'd have to go look at them to remember the other two. I know Anomalisa, uh, which is the Charlie Kaufman Wasn't film. Wasn't there one for like bears or something? Or was that the short animation? I, I, I don't remember. remember. There were a couple others. Uh, and I was just like, wow, those are interesting choices in a year where, you know, I, I was sure that those other slots would have been the good dinosaur in Charlie Brown. Although I'm not completely surprised the good dinosaur didn't get nominated. Uh, as much of a, as Inside Out has kind of been the focus for Pixar this year, but I was glad to see Inside Out in screenplay. Yes, yeah, I was I was glad to see that as well. Do you think it has a chance to win? <sighs> I want it to <laughs> because of its impact in culture, because of how it's changed how I talk to people about emotion. And it, and one of my first questions as I'm trying to explain kind of maybe like my internal dialogue is, "Have you seen Inside Out?" And if they say yes, then I'll say, "Okay, this is my." emotion at the helm right now you know and then they understand right they get it but if they haven't seen it then i've got to kind of backtrack a little bit and, and figure out a different way of like expressing myself so if a movie can kind of ingrain itself into how you communicate like that and it's a nearly universal experience like if you've seen inside out we can now communicate differently because we have this tool mm -hmm. to use that's why i would want to win 
some kind of an award of I, some kind. I mean, but. you know me. I thought it was the best movie of the year. I, I thought uh, it deserved a Best Picture nomination. It became steadily more obvious that that was not going to happen as we got closer and closer to the nominations. Uh, but uh, I, that's really disappointing to me. I, I wish it had been. Why wasn't Star Wars nominated for Best Original Screenplay? I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> that's a joke. Wow. Wow. That was a joke? That was a joke. Moving on. Um, the, the the thing I call myself with, with uh, Inside Out not being in the Best Picture nominations, is that Carol was also not in the Best Picture nominations. Uh, a lot of people will see that as a snub. Uh, I see that as justice. That movie is not as good as everybody's making it out to be, in my opinion. Have you seen it, Steve? I have. I, I did not like it very much at all. Oh, thank so you. So I'm happy that didn't get there. Oh, <laughs> I, I am happy so though. good. That we- yeah, I, I saw your review on that, um, and I'm glad that we agreed uh, because that I, I felt like I was missing something with that movie where everyone was raving about how amazing it was, and it it felt kind of standard to me, really predictable in places. I've been wanting to talk to somebody who really loves it about it and really kind of dig into what it is they love so much about it. I beyond uh, the decent you know performances, and I think Kate Blanchett is actually really good in it. Uh, I don't see the love for Rooney Mara, and I didn't think that performance was phenomenal. I just don't see where the tension in the movie is. There's not a lot of, you know, like, what am I supposed to be rooting for just that they get together? Is that it? Like, I, it just it just seemed to me like there wasn't a lot of to keep me interested or compelled through the movie. So I've been interested to talk to somebody who loves it. But you're not that person, apparently. So we don't we don't have to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been trying to look for the same thing. I don't know anyone else that's seen it. So I'd be curious to find someone that really adores that film. The only other thing I wanted to mention was just a fact that I saw, and I didn't fact check it, so this may be wrong. We may want to look it up. Somebody said it was John Williams' 50th Oscar nomination. 50th. 5-0. Is that possible? Wow. That, that is insane. Now, I mean... Who's this guy? The, the guy who uh, wrote the music for Star Wars and so oh, many other okay, okay. films. Uh, pretty much revolutionized uh, film scores with uh, what he did with the original Star Wars and with themes and uh, going back to kind of some classic motifs. And now you see so much of that in these big grand movies. But um, but yeah, John Williams has been a part of a lot of movies. It, it would not surprise me if he was up that far. It just it did just kind of shock me to see it there in print. But he deserves it. He's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. Ever since I, I first heard his music with the original Star Wars and then Superman, um, it, it's he's been one of my favorite uh, people in the industry. And I'm looking it up right now. It's actually, you're right, it is 50. 50th nomination. Wow. 50 so we have, Academy yep. Award nominations, yeah. We have fact-checked it. It's we have, true. It is true. And he's won five. <laughs> that is not as good a percentage as I think he would have hoped. <laughs> <laughs> Four Golden Globes and seven British Academy Film Awards. He is on a 10% clip. The other surprising thing is uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She's 25 years old, and she just got her fourth Oscar nomination for actress. That uh, 25. People like she's her. She's a kid. People love her. And she's been nominated four times and has a win. She even has a win. I just, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, she's great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Uh, Joy was a little disappointing, but still a decent movie. But uh, it's just, man, she is so well-loved, I think, in that community. I think that has a huge part to do with it. 
I mean, part of it's also just that she's got a presence almost every day of the year, you know? Like, with a lot of Oscar films, you see certain actors pop up more around, say, November to December. Uh, but Jennifer Lawrence is always in the news about something pretty much every day. Uh, so I guess it's it's surprising that she's gotten this May nomination so early on. But she's also part of that new generation that's more social media, that has a more outgoing um, public life and private life. So I can understand why... Um, She's she's getting as much attention as she is. Um, she's very good about marketing herself. Yeah, I think so. She does those purposeful trips, you know, down the the red carpets when she falls over, you know, all yeah. that set up yeah. and staged. And yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I would if I was going to be some sort of a celebrity. I think I would fit into the general for Lawrence category. You probably would. That's that's very likely how I would how I would come across. She does strike me. The thing that you you two have in common, I think as much as I know about her from the public persona right is that she just is herself she like just she, seems she, to be that way yeah right? she doesn't seem to put on airs at all she just seems to be herself and I know you're that way uh, from the first moment you got in front of a microphone it was like nothing changed like it was just like you just are who you are I am sitting in this chair speaking to you <laughs> this is who I am <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about um, Patreon today got anybody you can thank for us today on Patreon our show exists because of supporters who give a monthly gift. Sometimes people give three, ten, twenty, thirty, a million dollars a month. <laughs> I missed that gift. <laughs> we should be doing so much more. <laughs> to keep this show going and others like it, we have started a Shoe the Dough podcast network, which is why you're listening to Sift Pop right now. Our supporters have launched Sift Pop as its very own podcast, which is how we are going live every week. And we'd like to thank Lisa this week for giving out of your pocket every month yeah, thanks, to Lisa. make our show possible. Thank you so much. If you'd like to support, patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae will support the Shoe the Dough Network and all the shows that happen because of it, including this one uh, where we get to talk about pop culture. All right, on to our, what would you say, most anticipated? It's probably what usually people say. Most anticipated pop culture of 2016 will do television and movies. Television. Uh, so let's start with TV. You know, because this is different. Normally on Sif Pop, we actually review a movie. We go to see movies every Thursday mm-hmm. night that's coming out that weekend, and then we review it with you on Friday so you kind of know what to expect in the theater. No spoilers. Uh, and so instead of getting a review of Ride Along 2, you'll just you'll just have to deal with our most anticipated stuff of 2016. So we're going to start with what, TV for Yeah, TV. What are some of the TV shows you're looking forward to this year? Danae, why don't you start us off? Nothing. <laughs> That's not true. I looked through the list, and there are some sci-fi shows that are going to come out. I'll probably give those a shot, but mm-hmm. in general, blah, whatever. Like what? Like Colony? Is that one that, that Colony, you would... there was one other one. Let me see if I can remember which one it was. I didn't write Colony down for mine, um, but it does have a nice pedigree. I love that Carlton Cuse from Lost is doing it, and then, of course, it has Josh Holloway from Lost in it as well. But that doesn't equal a great show. So it's kind of, you know, a lot of wait and see with some of this stuff for sure. The other was Hunters. Hunters. I don't I don't Based know that on one. Whitley Stibers or Strivers, Strivers book series. Uh, and it's interesting because it's put together by it's quote two ladies who know their sci-fi. The Walking Dead and Terminator tri- trilogy producer Gail Ann Hurd and 12 Monkeys showrunner Natalie, is it Shides? So I do love me some 12 Monkeys. I don't know. I guess there's some pretty fun people behind that. But I like sci-fi. I'd probably more likely to watch that. The list of uh, 
TV shows that are going to kind of come out. You know, you've got your murder mysteries mm-hmm. and you've got some kind of weird ones. I wouldn't even know why we're interested in it. You've got some <laughs> like some time pieces. And then there's like there's this one that looks like it's going to be animated. And then you start reading about it. and It's like animated for adults. This is not for kids. <laughs> so there's one about OJ. And I'm like, what? I don't really care. So what I'm excited about in 2016 is to get back into my regular shows and you know yeah. just see where those continue to go what about you steve um there's not a lot for me mostly because i have to keep up with all the comic book shows that that just keep going and going and multiplying it seems like i was uh, gonna say the and there's plenty of new ones of those coming out this year too oh yeah there, there's tons we've got lucifer coming out we've got preacher coming out legends of tomorrow all that stuff but none of that sounds particularly great to me the, the big standout is actually an adaptation of a stephen king novel um coming out in february uh called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. um it's going to star james franco and it's basically just going to be um an adaptation of that novel which is a writer going back in time to when kennedy was assassinated um it's a really fantastic novel it's one of the best things stephen king has done in years uh and having an adaptation of that as a television series is the best idea you could possibly do with that material because it's so dense and there's so much you have to live in with that universe um it's got lots of really interesting breakdowns of how time travel works within that context some really great references to king's other work and um it's also it's also both historical and sci-fi at the same time which is something that's becoming more and more popular especially since we had uh, man in the heist castle come out earlier in 2015 or later in 2015 i mean um it's of that same flavor it's just a different writer there is something really interesting, and I wonder if that trend will continue with the idea of doing these revisionist history type shows where, you know, what if something was different or what if you could change things? Um, I haven't gotten a chance to watch Man in the High Castle yet, but I'm really excited to eventually get there once I've caught up on some other things because I love that idea of a few things go differently and who knows how different this world we're living in is, you know? And it's it's kind of an exciting thing. So that was actually on my list as well, eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because that was one that did pique my interest. I also love that um, I think J.J. Abrams is involved in it, you know, in some producing, yeah. ca- you know, capability or, or, uh, or yeah, something. Yeah, he's executive producer and it's coming out through um, his Bad Robot Productions. So there you go. I mean, you put J.J. Abrams' name on something and I pretty much just, you know, I'm going to watch. Now, it doesn't mean I'll necessarily like it. He's had some stuff that I don't. But it does mean I'm, I'm definitely going to be interested in seeing what he's doing because I love the way his mind works. So, um, so yeah, that was on my list as well. I also had Luke Cage on there. What do you think about that, Steve? Um, oh, yeah, that is coming out next year. I know, uh, right? <laughs> it's hard to believe that we've already had so many shows and so many things in the MCU. Um, but that that's sounding better and better. Um, I loved Jessica Jones. I loved Daredevil. Um, the the actor Mike Coulter as Luke Cage and Jessica Jones was just pitch perfect, um, and what little we know about that series is, is looking better and better. So um, as far as these Netflix and Marvel shows go, it's it's almost a different standard where there is the day to day TV you watch and you like and you late you love and you hate some of it, and then there's the Marvel stuff which just seems to be brilliant minute to minute um, with Daredevil and Jessica Jones. So I. I I guess with Luke Cage, I'm looking forward to it, and I will have no thoughts until the show comes out and I binge watch it in 13 hours. <laughs> That's the way it's yes. supposed to be. That's binge how... watch it. Are we all binge watch? <laughs> like, would we prefer to watch every season of every show that way? Yes. Steve, N- not necessarily. I guess it just depends on the material. Um, I would. Lo- I'd love watching stuff like Daredevil and Jessica Jones in 13 hours. That's not something I would ever consider doing with shows like Breaking Bad, um, because that's that's an emotional journey. That's things you need to reflect on minute to minute and digest more slowly. No, 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 no. You ignore emotion. You power through. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I agree. I I actually push back on the binging thing quite a bit because I think there's something about uh, watching a a, um, a something journey. a serialized story, you know, where you get it in chunks, and to be able to not only digest those chunks yourself, but also have community about I wonder what this means and have conversations and. You know, it's. I love the idea of things being serial, and actually, the serial podcast kind of plays in that same you know realm. Uh, you know, when it first came out, so uh, I I don't think everything is necessarily something to be binged, but there are other there are other times where I'm watching something and I'm like, yeah, I wish I could binge this because I really don't want to wait, but. Um, but yeah, I think it's different for each show. Or you just want to get it over with because you're like, I have committed to Once Upon a Time and I just need to get through it. So let's just wait until it's all done and then we'll just watch them back to back and then just be done with it. Oh, no. That is no. not a show you want to watch for seven hours straight. I really don't think so. My dad and I used to love watching horrible shows, though. Yeah? Yeah. Like, we would just sit there and like watch what? and just do laugh. A, do you have a good example? Like, do you remember some uh, like a show your dad and you used to watch? No, I just remember, like, certain scenes. They were, like, you know, there's a claymation going on, mm-hmm. like, Hercules style. This is, like, television in the 80s. Nice. So, sci-fi television in the 80s. We well, would flip through and find, like, old silly things. Once Upon a Time has unfortunately uh, gone into that category of bad show. It's, <laughs> it just seems to be getting worse and worse. But now but, we're reflecting on other things. Other that's new true. Shows, the only so. the only other new one I actually wanted to mention is just kind of a silly one, but I had to throw it out there. Team Ninja Warrior looks like so much fun to me. Basically taking <laughs> the American Ninja, Ninja Warrior formula and courses and making it a team speed competition. That sounds brilliant. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see that. Uh, I love watching that. I've got four boys at home. And we just we love watching Ninja Warrior stuff together, so I'm excited to see kind of that new format. I'm yeah, I'm curious how they're gonna set that one up because how it's been so far is you've got one athlete who is able to do multiple kinds of things. And I wonder if they're gonna have like, you know, teams are gonna be comprised of somebody who can do like there's this there's this one where like you the have rock to, climber the rock climber and, yeah. or, or the, that wall thing at the very end where mm-hmm. you have to like splay your legs and arms out to catch yourself midair mm-hmm. and, and and go like fly style between yeah. walls yeah you put the tall guy on that one instead of the <laughs> short girl you know what i mean like i wonder if it's going to be like that which kind of takes a little bit away from the whole point of the one ninja that can do it all yeah it's a totally different concept yeah. right i mean but again the- <gasps> what if it was like mixed with wipeout <laughs> Which it, it kind already of is. is. I was going to say it already is. I it mean, kind of is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, the one this element show is wicked. Sorry. A, as I mentioned, that I that it really intrigues me is the speed element. You know, because some of the funnest runs in Ninja Warrior are the guys who are so overconfident that they just want to like run through it, and some of them do it. You know, in these short. I love that. I love speed runs, and so it'll be interesting to to see time become an element. Uh, in that way on the show, so I'm excited for that. I just found the speed run run in my Call of Duty game. Oh yeah, I didn't know it was there. So I've been working on that. You've been working on your Call of Duty speed run. Yep. This is totally, this... <laughs> totally like near. Instead of catching up on Once Upon a Time, I mean priorities today. Priorities. All right, let's move on to movies. Uh, a lot more to talk about here. I yes. think uh, let's just start throwing some out. Steve, why, why don't you start? What's a movie you're looking forward to this year? Um, I guess we'll get into the comic book realm a little bit later since there's lots of those. But the one non-comic book movie I'm really looking forward to is The Nice Guys, which is um, the next Shane Black movie, which he hasn't done anything since Iron Man 3, I don't I don't think. And I love Iron Man 3. I think that's one of the greatest superhero films ever made. Um, and to see him back and making a movie with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, that looks like it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Uh, it's set in the 70s. It's going to be kind of um, – 
sort of like a noir thing as well as being a bit of a comedy in the in the typical Shane Black way of doing things. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I think that looks fantastic. It's an intriguing movie, and uh, man, I'm in on on Ryan Gosling right now. Uh, I just I think he's doing great stuff. Loved him in The Big Short, and um, you know I, I I'm excited to see what he and Russell Crowe do together. So yeah, that's definitely what I'm interested in today. Um. I am oddly. We're so we're going to wait on superheroes. You don't have to. You can say whatever you want. I should mention, by the way, Nice Guys did not actually make the list of you know my notes in front of me, but it is one that that intrigues me. What do you got, Danae? Um, Danae's like, we can't not talk about superheroes. It's my whole list. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> guys, I'm in trouble. Uh, well, I'm just going to go with the easy one, Rogue One. Yeah, which is the Star Wars, nice. the Star Wars one. I'm really curious how they're going to work this out. With all the buzz that's happened with the new Star Wars that just came out and all the excitement. Well, the nice thing about the Expanded Universe ones is they're kind of freebies, right? Well, yeah, but you've just like opened up this massive can of worms and, and now you've got all these fans who feel like... I, I wonder if Star Wars fans are feeling like Lord of the Rings fans felt when the first Lord of the Rings film was released and was like, wow... They're really like able to pull they together did it. Yeah, they this it world. Off. Yeah. You know, whether they felt that it was done a hundred percent right or not. But like we have the technology and we and, and the resources to do some really great and fun films now that could have never been mm-hmm. done before. So I'm just curious if like the fans are gonna be excited about what they're doing or if they're gonna be like, Okay, just don't mess it up. Do you think there will be a level of um fandom? Uh, that is unaware of the overall process of the the expanded universe and are going to go to Rogue One next year thinking Absolutely. it's the next Star Wars. Yeah. Do you I think don't... so? Do you think? Yeah. Be... I, I wonder how they're going to combat that a little bit because there are people walking like, "Where's Kylo Ren? Where'd he go? Where's Ray? Hashtag Where's Ray? Yeah, they're going to have like, well, you know, the fans are going to just jump on them. That's what they're going to do. They're just going to let the fans deal with them on Twitter <laughs> later on. They'll burn themselves. I, yeah, I just I wonder if there you know as many people have seen the movie, I think that's probably likely to happen. Um, yeah, Rogue One, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, I think those, these movies are kind of freebies, and that's kind of nice because if they do you know swing and miss, it's like okay, I just let that go. But if they swing and they hit it out of the park, great, we got another great Star Wars movie from that universe, you know. So I really kind of like the way they're doing it. Steve, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, it it looks fantastic. It's exciting. And um, the expanded universe has already created a bit of a divide in Star Wars fans. There's lots. There's half the population that loves everything that's going on with J.J. Abrams and Episode Seven and everything going forward. And then there's the other half that really misses the way things were. Um, and I'm not in that camp. I expanded universe is great, but if you read any of that stuff in the last 10 years, it became so immensely convoluted that the stories just didn't work anymore. Um, so Disney had to move forward and do something different. So the fact that we're getting standalone movies at all is surprising and exciting. Um, I, I wasn't sure Disney was going to do anything like that, but we've got a young Han Solo film coming out. We've got Rogue One. We might get a Boba Fett film. Um, that's their way of, of keeping those elements alive, even if they aren't the same. So that, that's exciting. Fans are going to push back because they always do. Um, but I think Disney is trying to do their best to please both sides, and I, I think this is a fantastic idea. I do, too. And I think Expanded Universe really is the future of films. I think we will, we will stop talking about sequels, and we will just talk about universes. Uh, because, and I think that makes a lot of sense marketing wise and financially for the studios. And it makes a lot of sense for the audience as well, because the idea of a sequel is becoming almost more and more passe. It's like if, if we could do an 
uh, Avatar expanded universe, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're just back in that world somehow. I think that would have been a super, super smart thing, which hadn't really been developed at the time when Avatar came out. But that's just like another world that you would just want to go back in and explore. Yeah. So this is another example that would totally work for that model. Yep. Okay, Aaron, what about you? What's one of your movies? Um, I will go with, uh, since so I, I won't pick a comic book one either, <laughs> and I will go with the one that's obvious for me, Finding Dory. Finding Dory. I, oh, nice. I am really, I, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous always too. nervous mm-hmm. with when my beloved movies, when they go back to, like we said, those universes. Finding Nemo is one of my top five movies of all time. It means a lot to me. Uh, Having said that, I, you know, Pixar has nailed sequels before. They've nailed stuff before, so I'm hoping they can do it here as well. And uh, I'm excited to see it. So that's that's one on my list. The first thing that makes me nervous about Finding Dory is that it's called Finding Dory. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because the first one was Finding Nemo, so it's like right on the nose, you know. Mm. They couldn't do something... Like what? Unique. Here's Bruce. You just call it Here's Bruce. I don't know what I'd call it. <laughs> I don't know what the movie is about, but I'm pretty sure it's about finding Dory. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which, you know, it should be very interesting considering she forgets herself. So I'm sure this leans heavily on Ellen, which is fun. Because yeah, Ellen was she's great. great. Yeah, she's yeah, absolutely so great. I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Exciting. Uh, all right, back to you, Steve. What's next? All right, so I've got nothing else on my list aside from comic book stuff. So the next big thing I'll say is uh, Captain America Civil War. There you go. Um, I... I love Winter Soldier. When Winter Soldier came out, I saw it in theaters ten times, wow. uh, and then I've seen it. I've seen it more than that by now uh, on home release. Um, I rewatched that movie almost weekly. It seems like I love Winter Soldier, uh, and to go get those directors back, get those writers back, get that character back, and do a story from the comics that's very, very bad in the hands of, of two writers and directors that um, know their material. That's really exciting. The fact that we're, we're, we've built a relationship between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers in all of the films that makes perfect sense that they would come to blows. Um, this is the best way you could have you could have planned ahead for that. Um, some people are surprised that it's only Phase 3 and we're opening with Civil War. But, I mean, the tension's been there since the very beginning. Some people say that uh, Age of Ultron, they ended to, on a much too friendly note. But, I mean, you really break that in that movie and they didn't. The end of that movie, no one is where they want to be. They just kind of became content with that. Um, and so Civil War just seems like the next best logical progression. Um, also, we're getting Baron Zemo in, in the movie, and I love Baron Zemo in the comics. Um, he has a big purple sock on his face in the comics, and so we won't be get a scene in the movie where Captain America calls him sock face. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, it's really exciting. It's, it's going to lean heavily on not only the Steve Rogers and Iron Man relationship, but also how Bucky plays into it and how um, the Winter Soldier's identity is, is something that influences everyone regardless of who, who he's friends with. Um, and it's, it's going to basically just be Avengers 3 from what the looks of it is. And it's, it's really exciting. It's going to be really risky. But I, I trust this team to pull it off. That's exactly what I was going to say. It, it really looks like it's going to be an Avengers movie, which is fine with me. Um, I, I the Captain America films are my favorite films in the MC, uh, MCU, and I I am excited that it's a Captain America film that kind of gets to be the next big part of the Avengers story. Now, having said that, like you know, Hulk's gone off to do his thing, so I don't think he's going to be in it, uh, which which makes sense because whoever you know, whoever's got Hulk on their team is pretty much pretty much going to win. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes sense not to include him. Um, but I, I'm excited to see, yeah, kind of what happens with that. I've, I've stayed trailer-free on it. I haven't seen any of the trailers. Uh, I'm excited to, to see it for the first time, all those frames, right where they belong in context. So I'm, I'm excited for it for sure. Danae? My next movie 
that I'm excited to see is Deadpool. Okay. Is that considered nice. a comic book one, too? It is. Excellent. Yes. That's yeah. what I thought. Here's why. Here's why. Because I browse a lot of like Reddit, Imager, you know, these fun sites, and there are hilarious memes that are all <laughs> over the place. What's funny is you started that sentence because eyebrows, and I thought, eyebrows? What do eyebrows have to do with anything? You know, like the hairy eyebrows. thing? Eyebrows. I got it. Like yes. online. The context got me there. It just made me laugh. Comic-Cons, you know, you see these fun videos and GIFs that pop up of this character, and I know like nothing about him at all. But there are some hilarious people behind the marketing of this movie. People put out like uh, like a skull emoji and then like a poop emoji and then like a L. And it's supposed to be Deadpool. <laughs> nice. But but it <laughs> nice. turned into something like uh, skull poop L. <laughs> and so they have a billboard that has Deadpool uh-huh. laying across the words Dead Poop L. <laughs> Skull coming, no, it's, it says, actually says the word dead, uh-huh. and it, or whatever, skull poop else. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just saying. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. And then uh, and then it says, like, the day that the movie is coming Nice. Out. And so it's like, nobody would know what that means unless you're seeing the memes that are popping up, which means that these marketing people are so immersed in the fans that they're just having a really fun time. Yeah. And so I'm curious what this movie is going to be because I know that it's going to be not for kids like yeah, this think, is supposed to yeah. be like a really do we have a rating on it do like, we already know it's violent R? vile yeah. you know thing but yet i'm still interested in seeing it because i really am curious about this character yeah and it's, it's going to be tricky because that kind of marketing is also really fun but it's all, also can be a little bit dangerous because you might get kids that want to see it we ha- do have a definitive rating it is going to be rated r which is what a deadpool movie should be um but then you've also got like those those trick posters where it's a picture of ryan reynolds and um the the actress that plays his girlfriend in the movie and it just says love conquers all that looks like a generic romantic yes. comedy <laughs> now that's funny because that's another thing that's happening in uh in the meme world which is that people are posting uh, screenshots of the text message of them sending that movie trailer with Deadpool and the, you know the girlfriend, mm-hmm. and it looks like a love movie, and they send that picture to their girlfriend saying, "Hey, do you want to go see this love story?" And the girlfriends are like, "Oh, you want to go see a romance? I'm totally down for seeing it." And they're going to take their girlfriends to go see Deadpool without any context as ever that they think is a <laughs> romance movie. So that's just another example of like uh... that is just really funny to me. That there's this whole kind of like culture, and I kind of want in on it. So how, how interesting is? First of all, I love Ryan Reynolds. I'm a I'm a big Ryan Reynolds yeah. fan. How interesting is it that he actually played this character in the you know the X Men movie from way back? Wasn't that the same character? Am I wrong yeah, about um, that? That was no, it is. It's um, X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Um, in, Back when that movie came out, which was, I think, 2009, um, they made a big deal of Ryan Reynolds being in it. You saw the opening scene where he didn't have the costume. He was just Ryan Reynolds, and he was basically um, uh, wisecracking Deadpool. And then they uh, got rid of him for most of the movie. He came back as basically this this joke now of Baraka Pool, where he looked like Baraka Pool from video games. Um, and he had his mouth sewn shut. And they basically destroyed the thing that makes Dare, um, Deadpool Deadpool, which is he's always talking. Right. Uh, and people were really, really angry about that. And so this movie's been in the works for years because people were really upset about that. Um, and the trailers actually call attention to uh, those mistakes. And they, they even uh, poke fun at Ryan Reynolds 
old superhero career um, about like how he, do- he doesn't want his super suit to be green, um, how they won't sew his mouth shut and stuff like that. So um, they're doing the thing from the comics, which is he breaks the fourth wall and, and the movie's not only poking fun through marketing, but also just through filmography of these actors and these characters. Yeah. That's why I want in on it. I just yeah, want to be a part of it. So. That's interesting. The next one I would bring up, um, since we're all doing comic book movies, I'll, I'll do one too. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Really looking forward to seeing the next uh, story in the universe. Uh, I, I have loved the last couple X-Men movies. I've loved most of the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and But just this, uh, just kind of this new generation, I have really enjoyed that. So I'm excited to see kind of what happens next. Is uh, Jennifer back in for Mystique? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. she's in and yeah. um, Poe Dameron. I, oh, AKA yeah. Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac okay. is in as well. So it'll okay. be some people you know. But um, but yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see it. What yeah, a, no, it, it looks fantastic. What about... Oh, actually, it's not back to me. I'm sorry. I tried to take your place, Steve. <laughs> you go ahead and go. Well, next. you can talk a little bit about uh, X-Men if you want. I thought you were going to have an opinion on X-Men. I love X-Men, though. You just want to make sure Jennifer Lawrence is there. Yeah, I really have enjoyed her. As Mystique. Mm-hmm. And I love that character a lot. Steve, you're up. Um, next one on my list is uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Um, Suicide Squad's a movie I'm more cautious about than optimistic. Because um, David Ayer is a director I like a lot. I love most of his films. Um, particularly Fury, which is just one of the most interesting World War II movie experiences I've ever had. Uh, and I love the Suicide Squad comics. They're they're some of my favorite things uh, from the 70s and 80s. And this looks nothing like Suicide Squad. Um, if you wanted to cast a worse actor than Will Smith for Deadshot, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> um, Dead, Dead, Will Smith as Deadshot is probably one of the worst decisions DC has ever made. Um but we'll see if it's okay. Um, if they want to go a different direction, that's fine. I, I trust David Ayers enough. I just don't know if it's going to be a Suicide Squad movie. The big thing pulling me right now is um, Jared Leto as the Joker. Um, and the fact that they're going to play him as um, not only a Mexican drug cartel kind of character, but also his dialogue being kind of Shakespearean. So he he talks not only in riddles, but he's also got like a more pedestrian sort of mannerism to him. Uh, and that sounds interesting. The fact that we're going to get like an, a very aged, more rough and tumble Batman along with a Joker that's more representative of uh, both sides of crime stereotype, both the more classic mafia idea and the more modern gangster idea at the same time. I think that's really interesting, just acting wise. Now, if it's any good, I don't know, but on a superficial level, it looks interesting. It's definitely interesting, and I'm with you with David Ayers. I think he's a phenomenal director. I agree about Fury was incredible and wonderful. Um, he also did one, uh, I think with uh, didn't he do the one with Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, End of Watch. Wasn't End that? of Watch. Yeah. Oh, such a great movie. Um, and so I, I like his stuff. Do you know, does he have an affinity for the subject material? Like, does he know the universe well, or is he a hired gun? Um, he knows the material, sort of. Uh, when, when the movie was first being produced, um, he, he made a big deal out of going out of his way to read a lot of Suicide Squad comics. The issue, though, is that he read the wrong ones. Ah. Um, he read the ones that DC were, was pushing at the time. So I don't know if he's got a passion for the material or if he's just got a, a, a passion that DC wanted him to have. The big the big thing in his court right now is that um, they're letting this just be a David Ayer film. Um, it looks exactly like the rest of his work. It's, it's in his own flavor. So even if he's not a comic book guy, at least it'll feel like it fits in his filmography. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, I don't know what to think of this movie. DC has stumbled. Um, so much for me and some of you know the recent choices 
I think they kind of want to be Marvel, and uh, and they're having a hard time kind of climbing that ladder a little bit. Um, they're just kind of playing, you know, catch up in a lot of ways with building some kind of expanded universe. But you know, hey, give it a shot, and I'm sure I'll be there and and see what I think. Danae, you're up. Oh, hi. <laughs> I spaced no out. Interest, no interest in Suicide Squad? No. And I'm really, actually, I was thinking about it. I'm kind of bummed that I'm not interested in it because there is a lot of buzz about it. And I love Batman and I love the Batman universe and Harley Quinn and all that stuff. But seeing how they've just sort of like come into this sort of new look and feel for me because mm-hmm. I'm not used to seeing him in that form, um, I'm not sure if I'm excited about it or not. We'll yeah. see. Which is fine. I don't. I, I don't usually try to go into films jaded. Right. I just go in with a fresh face. Yeah. But I, it's not on my list. All right. What's up for you? What is on my list is Warcraft. Of course, I nice. knew this would be on your because list because I love Blizzard and I've played Blizzard games. I have played so many PC games from this universe. Now I don't know all of the lore of all of the characters like some people do, but what you might not know is that a lot of the games that you see like Warcraft, Starcraft, World of Warcraft and all that, there's just it is rich with stories. Like the entire world is completely developed and as you play these games and you're given quests and things like that, you're reading about this world. And if you want to, you can pick up books in the world and read more about it. And there's actually books out there that tell you even more about this world. So if you like the lore of what you're involved in, you have just tons and tons of source material you can go and and really enjoy. I myself did not get that deep into it. I'm straight from the game. But I'm really curious about what they're going to do with this. And I don't know if this is right or not. And maybe Steve, you'll know. Or maybe Aaron, you might know. Is, is, Is David Bowie's son the director of this movie? Oh, I I uh, hadn't heard no. that. No, because no, is he so. involved somehow? Because when David Bowie passed away, I was looking at information and I went to his son's Twitter feed. His son's like forty four, and I was reading about their relationship and how even he's from you know his first a different you know wife. He's not with mm-hmm. him, but um, that they're really close and that they've always been really close to each other. And I was reading his tweets to his dad, and it was just really powerful. I was like, man. This is really bumming me out, but he has. Oh, you're right. It is. It is actually uh, David Bowie's son. Um, his name is Duncan Jones. Yeah. I know him as Duncan Jones from Source Code in the Moon. I did not put together that that was David Bowie's kid okay. until I just opened up his page. Because I was looking at his Twitter photo background thing, and I'm like, man, wh- you know, what is this? And then I was thinking, oh my goodness, is he directing? So I'm really curious now on a whole different level, of course. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. I just love David Bowie. Um, th- this guy has his dad has been pouring into him and been really proud of his craft for so long. And now here he's got this kind of movie that I'm interested in. So his anyway. craft, <laughs> I thought that. Thank you. Let's see what you did there. <laughs> I wrote that down. I've been waiting to say that line all day long. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm like, so I'm done. curious about that one. Uh, I will go next. Uh, unless Steve, did you have anything you want to say about Warcraft? Oh uh, no, um, it, it looks okay. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's not gonna be like something that I'm like it's gonna be mind blowing. I'm just <laughs> curious to see it. Sure, um, I'm gonna go with one that I'm really curious to see, which is Jungle Book, oh. uh, the oh. live adaptation of the Disney classic, of course the Rudyard Kipling classic before that, right, right, uh, on the big screen, and they seem to be trying to stay faithful. From what I can tell, again, I don't watch trailers, so I haven't seen a trailer or anything. Uh, to the to the original Disney movie, but do it with actual live animals, which I'm just really curious to see how 
no all one of that was mauled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> how all of that comes together. And Disney's been on a hot streak. I mean, they they are hitting it out of the park. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was a great film. That one's not on my list, but. Uh, Mona was so I'm curious if that was on your list but I skipped over Steve <laughs> <laughs> um, no Jungle Book definitely looks interesting it's one of those movies where it doesn't matter if the subject matter intrigues me the cast is so good that it almost compels me to watch it because you've got Ben Kingsley you got Bill Murray Idris Elba uh, Christopher Walken Scarlett Johansson um, it's a really good cast if nothing else yeah for sure Whoa. lots of great voices there go ahead and talk about Mona Danae we, we can Reverse. We'll just reverse order here for this one, since you you know Disney is kind of on the table right now. I'm just excited to see another kind of original thing fly out of their studio mm-hmm. and kind of see what happens with it and kind of go into it. So I don't. I hadn't. It's really, a musical, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's a like Hawaii based, or it's like more Carib like a. Is Stitch in it? I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it has that more like tribal sort of island type feel I just to it. I just need to know if I'm going to be hearing the songs from it like Frozen for years and years and it's years. It's possible, right? And that's I love musicals and so I'm kind of hoping that that's possible because that's just a fun thing for me is when a new song kind of enters into culture. Now, I did hit a breaking point with all of the YouTube videos of kids singing Let It Go. So <laughs> Really? I did. Too many? It, you think? Yeah, it, it hit it hit me on a whole new level. <laughs> But, but, I, I I am interested to see that. And sometimes they'll release them, like, on my birthday. Like, Disney tends tends to do that. Like, um, uh, Beauty and the Beast was released on my birthday when it came out. And I just remember that being a big thing. And this one's supposed to come out, like, on November 23rd. So I'm like, maybe, your they'll, birthday movie. maybe they'll release it on my birthday, yeah. which is the 22nd. My, but, you know, it's okay. My birthday's at the end of May, so I get a lot of good birthday movies out of my birthday. So, anyways, I'm, I'm curious about that one. All right, Steve. A, when's your birthday, and do you get good birthday movies? And B, what's next on your list? (laughs) My birthday's October 12th, so I had lots of great movies in theaters when I was born, not so much afterwards. Got it. Um, Next on my list is uh, Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice, um, which doesn't look very good. Um, (laughs) Are we all nervous about that? We're nervous, right? I'm very nervous about that. That movie looks like it's... Everything I read about it, it just makes it look worse and worse and worse. Um... But it looks really interesting at the same time. I love Ben Affleck as Batman. He, in just the two trailers I've seen him in, he's already the best on-screen Batman ever. Um, He's absolutely perfect. Um, I love Chris Terrio. I loved Argo. That's a brilliant movie. Um, And I like Henry Cavill a lot as Superman. Um, The idea of pitting those two against each other, particularly after what uh, happened at the end of Man of Steel, is a smart idea. Um, Except it looks like this movie is making all of the same mistakes and just magnifying them. So I don't know if it's going to be any good. I don't know if it's going to hinder DC or maybe make them take more risks. Uh, but it's it's kind of the most interesting mess I've ever watched unfold. <laughs> I have to say, again, trailer free, so I haven't seen Affleck as Batman at all. Can you put your finger on what it is? Because Danae, I'm just going to tell you what happened here in the room. Danae gave a look like, really? So I'm thinking she doesn't agree with you. And I'll let her speak to that here in a second. But what is it that you, you know, would put your finger on to think, you know, to say Ben Affleck is, you know, knocking this out of the park as Batman? 
it's 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 the strangest thing. If you watch the latest trailer, I know you don't watch trailers, but I mean, if, if you go back and, and and just skim that scene, um, Ben Affleck gives a tiny smirk when he when he's talking to Clark Kent. Um, there's a scene where, where where they're both just standing next to each other, and he just gives the the a bit of a crack and a smile, um, and. Right there, you you freeze frame that image, and you look at the hair, you look at the the facial uh, the facial hair growing, uh, you look at the build, you look at the way he's hanging, kind of exhausted, uh, and at the same time being able to just command everyone in the room with the tiniest uh, of twitches in his face, and that's Batman. Um, the way he's moving in the trailer, the way he fills out the costume, uh, he's got this almost animal-like ferocity where um, he gets up very slowly and then moves very quickly. Uh, He's he's got Batman down packed and he's got like the physicality of it, but he's also got the dialogue, the the delivery, the the fact that he sounds like a very well read, very well traveled man that's in the body of someone that would not be able to do those sorts of things, you know? Like he's he's like what if um you started watching wrestling and everyone started quoting Shakespeare? <laughs> um like he's got that weird juxtaposition that's in the comics that you don't see anywhere else. Um I, I like Christian Bale quite a bit. He's great as Bruce Wayne. He's not good in the role in the Batman costume because the costume hinders his performance too much. Um, you have the exact opposite thing when you go back to Michael Keaton, where he's great in the costume, not so much outside. Affleck's got them both. Um, he's able to handle both perfectly, and I've never seen that on film. Hmm. Well said. Today, I agree. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I actually, because I haven't watched any of the trailers, I have no idea. Oh, I am, so okay. You're I operating. am nervous yeah. about it. I, I loved, like I said, Batman growing up was one of my favorite mm-hmm. cartoons to watch. It was. I would race. I would race the TV just to see it, and I loved it so much. And so, I hadn't really thought about it from the perspective of like acting inside the costume and, mm-hmm. and acting, you know, as Bruce Wayne. As Bruce Wayne before. So that's kind of curious. But my reaction to Christian Bale in Dark Knight was real. Like, I was really happy. Mm. I was like, yes, thank you for doing something that's that awesome. Because it was in that time when, you know, the whole origin story for these superheroes from, like, the dark side of humanity really hadn't been shown before. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled with it that Christian Bale was just like... He's like my guy. He was Nolan's perfect Batman, I think. Like, I, I feel well, like... Well, and at that time, I didn't understand that there's different directors' perspectives. Sure. And I never have read the comics. I have no details into the history and, you know, details. So, with everything that Steve just said, I think that I'm going to have to just... Have an open mind? Have an open mind. Well, I like Affleck. I, I mean, I, I love his charm. I You know, I love him as a director. And I think he does great work as an actor as well so yeah i'll keep an open mind as because well. as it wasn't on my list as but I will christian keep an open bale mind. continued in the series of batman i found him more annoying but but dark knight my reaction to him that first time was was legit all right uh next on my list uh is independence day i might be what? awful it might be awful <laughs> what if it's terrible it, it probably is terrible but, but it's coming out it is coming out and gold blooms in it that's all oh. i need that is all I need. I'm so curious. Just some Jeff Goldblum in my life. We'll see what happens with that one. <laughs> That's next on my list. <laughs> Another one that I'm nervous about is Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know, yeah. where it's yeah. like you're going back into these worlds, right, that <laughs> had a really great fun the first time I enjoyed mm-hmm. them, you know, but like, do you go back into it? So this one, I think it's all females this time, yeah, though, right? Yeah, it's like the heavy yeah. hitters, too. It's so, like uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy, right? And... Um, um, 
the Saturday Night Live girls. Uh, anyhow, yeah, it's it's good we'll stuff. We'll see. We'll see how that one is. Kristen Wiig, right? I mean, it's like the big names. I don't have it in front of me. But anyways, it'll be interesting. What about you, Steve? What's el- what else is on your list? Um, so I'm actually looking at the, the list on Wikipedia right now, and I found something that's not comic book that I'm interested on. It's um, the Magnificent Seven remake, um, which is, of course, a remake of Seven Samurai from Akira Kurosawa. That looks interesting. It's got a really good cast. Um I don't know if I'll like it. I don't know if it's good I'll like it either. Because um, the Magnificent Seven film with Yul Brunner and Steve McQueen was such a big part of my childhood that I, don't, I can't conceive of anything other than that. Um, right. I was even named after Steve McQueen. So wow. like it's, it's very hard to process anything that isn't in that movie. But it's got Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke and Vincent D'Onofrio. So we'll see. I think you, your parents deserve major props for naming you Steve and not McQueen. Because we could be talking today <laughs> to McQueen Baxi. And McQueen Baxi would be a totally different person. So. Sounds like a Pixar Probably. film, right? Yeah, a little bit. It sounds like the second biggest like McDonald's sandwich, the McQueen, <laughs> right? I don't know. The McKing and the McQueen? Yeah, I was just, just what I was thinking. Uh, the only other one on my list is the BFG, uh, and I have an affinity for Roald Dahl stuff. The book and the fact that Steven Spielberg is doing it always gets my attention, so uh, that's one I would be interested to seeing uh, how it turns out. Danae, did we get through your whole list? No, there's two more on mine. Star Trek and Jason Bourne 5. Yeah. Star Trek, because I love Star Trek. I'm curious what's going to happen, you know, like, as it continues to move on. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm always interested in kind of how they're going to continue to evolve that world. And then Jason Bourne 5. I wrote that one down because I just wanted to recall that I feel bad for Hawkeye. <laughs> because... <laughs> Dude needs to be the lead at some point in time, and three, I three I'm, franchises, I'm right? I'm wondering if he will have a, like I'm wondering what his role could be in this one. If he's, in, I haven't even looked to see. Yeah. He's got to hand off the role hey, at some point. Hey, in Jeremy time. Renner, you're going to be the next Jason Bourne. Oh, just kidding. Hey, Jeremy Renner, <laughs> you're going to be the next Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Oh, just kidding. Hey, Jeremy Renner, want to be in a Marvel universe? You're going to be Hawkeye. Okay. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, that's as good as place as any to kind of finish that up. Unless you had any more, Steve, that you wanted to mention. No, that's about it. Uh, let's talk about our buried treasure then. This is the piece of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about uh, before we, we head off for this week. And uh, Steve, why don't you start us off? Okay, cool. Um, so somewhat recently, um, I started watching something that I don't think anyone's really talked about because uh, Huey Laurie became very, very massive over here because of House. Uh, and he's been in lots of great movies, lots of stage stuff all over the place. Um, but people don't seem to realize is that uh, him and Stephen Fry had a show back uh, over in England uh, called A Bit of Fry and Laurie um, that used to be on Netflix. You can't get it there anymore, but you can get the DVDs on Amazon. It was very short run, only about two seasons, and it was just a series of sketches with the two, um, which also included bits where uh, Hugh Laurie would sing songs. Um, He'd sing things like a a sophisticated song where he just uh, talks about random nonsense using the title words, Uh, and it would be extremely entertaining. There there was even a great skit about... um, um, two of both them showing up in the audience saying they believe in anarchy and then uh, progressing that logic to the point where they have to go away awkwardly saying they don't believe in anarchy. Um, it's a really great sketch comedy show. It's kind of what Saturday Night Live was in its heyday. Uh, and no one really seems to know it exists outside of Hugh Laurie used to be on TV. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. Uh, Stephen Fry is great, too. He's like he's wonderful in that. that- I did not even know about that, but that definitely sounds like like something I'd be interested in. That's a perfect buried treasure. Danae, what about you? 
I want to talk about an app which is not surprising at all. <laughs> uh, I love I love games and gaming on apps. Blendoku is my suggestion for you today. Blendoku. Blendoku. Okay. Uh, this is a game that relies. It's, uh, Count Count Dooku's younger brother, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, this game relies entirely on your ability to identify variations in colors. Hmm. So if you have anything wrong or anything different about how you perceive colors, if you're colorblind, this is not the game for you at all. It could be very frustrating. You could be very frustrated by right. it. But what it does is it shows you uh, a color scheme in front of you and you try to put them in the correct kind of order. And so it, I, I love it. I, I love it a lot. Um, it's weird. It's all I play. I'm playing it right now. I've been paying I can't no attention talk to you guys right now. So, so I would recommend Blendoku is just like a fun game. Although uh, sometimes it can be frustrating because if, you know the color wheel gets more and more complex as you play it, and sometimes you're like, "But why is this the color that is the connecting point between this side and this side?" That's what seems like it would side? be f- frustrating to me. Is it seems like part of that might be subjective. Well, you know, you just, it, it's not really because your eye begins to get trained to how a, a color will fade from one into the next. Oh, is it based on the spectrum? Yes. Like, is, oh, okay. So yeah. it's not, it's not just this color looks best with these colors. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the spectrum <laughs> is that, yes, you're putting them where they sort of belong that is better than the other. Like, you're okay. not going to put a yellow one right in the middle of the red ones. You're going to blend the yellow in towards the red. Right. You're going to put an orange in between them. This will make spells sense Roy. if you get and Blendoku. Orange, so. Yeah. And so it, and it's totally free. So that's that's my suggestion it's for like, today. It's like training for young interior designers. It really is. Something like that. It really is. Nice. I've, I've been impressed sometimes with myself. I'm like, wow. That's right. I, I did that super fast. <laughs> I need to paint my walls. <laughs> I'm very, very good at, at colors, apparently. Lendoku. Okay, I'm going to have to download that because I, I used to do art. And back when I was in high school, they would teach us how to use both pencils and colors in that uh, spectrum gradient. Ooh. And if I had that app like eight years ago, it would have been so, so helpful. Well, if you try it, let me know if you like it because I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I got it because I thought it would be kind of a weird Sudoku kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I like Sudoku a lot. But um, but it has nothing to do with Sudoku. Not really. <laughs> Although in Sudoku you have like blank, you know, little sections you're trying to figure you find out. The number. You know, yeah, find yeah. the number. This is find the color. So it kind of is similar. In I that see. Way. I see. Yeah. My buried treasure is a movie that I guess you wouldn't say is unknown, but I think it's unwatched by a lot of people. It's the movie Room. Uh, just got nominated for Best Picture for this year, and Brie Larson got a nomination for Best Actress. Um, I think this has slipped under the radar a little people as far as on their watch list, but it is absolutely phenomenal, and it's a great ride, uh, and one I would uh, heavily recommend that if you haven't seen, that you find a way to see it. So, uh, Steve, have you seen Room? I have not. See? That's what I'm saying. There's just a lot of people that haven't seen this phenomenal <laughs> Ask me movie. me if I've seen it. Today, have nope. you seen Room? I didn't think so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I'd highly recommend it. I think it's great stuff, and I would recommend... The less you know about the movie, the better before you see it. See it blank and just enjoy the story and the Isn't ride. Isn't that and true for every movie? I think so, but this one especially I think could have some... some. Uh, I was almost said fun. Not necessarily fun, but some surprises for you, uh, especially towards the beginning of the movie. So, um, so yeah. So, The Room. You can check it out uh, wherever you do your movie thing. It's kind of a bummer that we're here towards the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We always have a good time on our Sif Pop podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Steve. Thanks for joining us today and hanging out with us and spending time and giving your insight into all the things that are coming up in 2016. How can people connect with you? 
Oh, uh, you can um, follow me on Twitter. It's just Steve underscore Baxi. I've also got my own YouTube channel um, because I'm on Geek Solution a lot, but I also do my own thing um, where it's mostly comic book reviews, mostly just random rants about random things. Um, but more and more, I'm doing like written analyses of, uh, of different subjects. Uh, Aaron mentioned the Age of Ultron one I did, uh, which was about two hours long and took three months to write. Uh, it's a 50 page script, so that'll be fun if you sit down and watch all of it. And I also did one recently on an episode. Of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I'm a massive Joss Whedon fan, um, so you can find you can find me there as well. Everything I have is just labeled Steve Baxi, so it's very easy to find me. Uh, and thanks guys for having me on the show. This was a lot of fun. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Hopefully we'll we'll have you back. We'll get you in the rotating list of pop culture gurus that come by and and chat pop culture with us. So we appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. And you can find out more about us, Aaron and Danae, at AaronandDanae.com. Huge thanks to today's guru, Steve Baxi. Round of applause Woo-hoo! for coming by. Uh, also, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters uh, for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support starts at a buck a month and comes with some really fun perks. Find out more at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, make sure you let us know. All feedback is welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. That's it. That's all. Now we got to go catch up on Once Upon a Time. Okay, bye. (laughs) And maybe finish that conversation about unicorns. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Perhaps, yeah. Let's get your level, Steve. Can you chat just for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. Tell us a story. (laughs) Tell us a story, Steve. (laughs) Okay, I can tell you a story. This is one I've enjoyed telling most people, but... um, I recently discovered that because of unicorns, logic doesn't work, Um, which sounds very bizarre. But the idea is if I have a conversation with a person and I bring up the topic of unicorns, then they know what a unicorn is. They know what a unicorn looks like. They know the properties that make up a unicorn. And if I put them in some universe where they saw a unicorn, they'd be able to recognize it as a unicorn. But unicorns don't exist. So you have true knowledge about something that isn't true. And so logic doesn't necessarily hold linguistically. Whoa. I think he just blew Danae's mind. Well, I have a question. <laughs> you said that we all know what a, a unicorn is made up of. Is it glitter? Is it <laughs> a rainbow? Like, is its horn the same kind of horn as you see on a rhinoceros? Or is it magical? So parts of the unicorn are very mysterious to me. And if I saw one, I would flip out. <laughs> but you're right. All the other stuff. I think we can all agree the horn on a unicorn is is the horn of a, a norwal, right? Like the no, the whale yeah, horn. That's what I thought. No, yeah. that's known. It's magical. <laughs> it's a trumpet. It's like it's like a long fingernail or toenail is what I don't want it to be. You know, our fingernail and toenail uh-huh. stuff. I wonder at night, like when when you know unicorns are getting ready for bed and you yeah. know they're settling watching TV or whatever. Yeah. I wonder if one unicorn, you know, gets on the other unicorn for leaving their their horn clippings around the bed and not cleaning them up like they should. Maybe next time say it gets onto them instead of gets on them because that got awkward for like a split <laughs> second. Just a split second. I was like, what? what you what know, at night, talk- late at night, when one unicorn gets on the other <laughs> unicorn. Like, 
Karen Dicer. I think that technically that's uniporn. I think <laughs> what you're talking about. So. <laughs> Uh, this is not normal for our Sif Pop conversation. <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> That's okay. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.